Looking good, looking good. Like you know we should. Looking good today. You're listening to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast. We're the Welcome to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast, episode number two. Scott Morrison alongside the coach, Mike Keenan. And we promised in the first edition that we would have a special guest for episode number two. And uh, I think we fulfilled that pledge, Mike. Well, certainly we have. And uh, appreciate Brett Hall coming on on the set with this uh, uh, incredible hockey player, incredible legend, Hall of Famer. A Stanley Cup winner and, of course, uh, uh, a great spokesman for the game of hockey. So, Brett, we appreciate you coming on the show. And I think Scott's got probably a couple of questions for you that uh, will be entertaining and, and fun for the for the audience to hear. Well, we welcome the Hall of well, Famer. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure to be on with uh, another couple of legends. So uh, <laughs> let's have a little fun with this. Yes, That's we right. will. So just before we get to the hockey stuff, let's talk about – you and Mike saw each other a few weeks ago. Uh, you're golfing. You're, you're doing a pretty good job on the links these days. Yeah, it's not too bad. You know, the, with the, uh, you know, once you retire, it's, uh, and, and the coaches stop making you practice every day, you got a little <laughs> bit of time to work on the game, and uh, it became a passion of mine. So, you know, I, I work at it quite a bit. And what's keeping you busy these days? I'm uh, I'm down in Nashville, about 30 minutes south, and uh, I'm helping uh, Mike Melman, who owns Discovery Land Company, open a new private golf community um, uh, down here. And it's uh, it, it, it's just a beautiful part of the country. And uh, you know, being 30 minutes away from Nashville, we get to kind of hit and hit and run because uh, the city has gone crazy, and uh, uh, it's almost Vegas like and you know it's just a constant party it's bachelorette um destination number one and and it's really gone uh hockey crazy it re- it reminds me of of St. Louis uh in the early 90s when uh, uh the franchise started to get turned around and and the kids really started to get into it and uh hockey is booming here in in the Nashville area so you mentioned St. Louis that's where you and Iron Mike were together some eventful couple of seasons there. Um, how would you... We were like the old Yankees. Yes, I was going to say, how would you describe your relationship, player and coach? Well, I, I mean, you, I think you got two real headstrong people um, that that just sometimes had a difference of opinion. and uh, But at the end of the day, I think uh, as soon as... Uh, Mike got behind the bench and, and I pulled the jersey over my head. We were uh, working in the same direction and, uh, you know, Mike put together uh, uh, a couple of, of seasons of great talent there and it just seemed like every time we would get going, uh, our goalies would get hurt. And, and that was really the crux of the whole thing. Why? Because we, we could have won a Stanley Cup at least one. Uh, I think that... Uh... Gretzka would agree with you. He's often said, uh, Brett, that uh, if Grant and God bless uh, John Casey, who did a super job, he did as well as he could for us, but he wasn't Grant Fuhr. And Gretz always says that uh, we would have won the Stanley Cup if it hadn't been for the uh, accidental injury. Uh, did Kipper fall or Kip, was he pushed? Kip, no, he fell uh, accidentally. 
uh, with Grant getting hurt. So Brett's correct that, you know, we had some very, very deep teams in terms of talent. And uh, uh, with Brett and, and Wayne, uh, the top two players on the, on the offense. And then, of course, we had Chris and Al in defense. Pretty good uh, group of superstars yeah, to start with. And then Grant in the net. So... Yeah, that was. But it uh, just goes to show it, it doesn't matter what you have if that if that guy isn't in the pipes, uh, making key key saves. You know, you're really behind the eight ball. Yeah, and uh, Grant, uh, of course, uh, reestablished his career there. But he was he was a, a, a goaltender, and and Brett can attest to this that uh, the players were 100 percent confident in him. I mean, they could go play their game offensively in particular and not worry about the goaltending and then when he got hurt there was just this little hesitation by the group overall I can still recall it that they were just a little bit nervous and you can't be that way to win a cup but and that nervous in, the, in respect that they they didn't have that feel that freedom to go offensively like they could have and, and if they had we probably would have won is that how you felt uh, Brett? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, uh, you know, it happened to me uh, another time in the uh, early 90s. And it, it just happened to be uh, Mike was involved in that, too, where uh, his Chicago Blackhawks were were uh, uh, number one and the Blues were number two, uh, one point behind them for the President's Trophy. And the North Stars knocked off the Blackhawks in the first round. And uh, so... We, we were feeling confident because that was really that was the arch rivalry right there and um and we went and and we had a really solid hockey team as michael attest to and then curtis joseph got hurt and so you know we were going into the playoffs uh and we we ended up playing against minnesota with uh, Vinny riendo uh in the net and it's the same thing it's just that there's no comparison as much as we love Vinny. He he was no Curtis Joseph. Absolutely, and uh, of course, uh, uh, Brett winning the cup with Eddie finally in in Dallas. Uh, Eddie Balfour. Eddie Balfour, and uh, and uh, goaltending is such an important part of that process. So, yeah, uh, in uh, reflecting upon our relationship, just from my perspective, uh, we were very headstrong. But of all the coaches that were there, was uh, end up in the end with uh, Jimmy Roberts, God bless his soul, and uh, Roger Nielsen as well, God bless his soul, and Bobby Barry and myself. Uh, we had a pretty experienced group, and uh, and Brett and I, and I've said this before, Brett, and I'll say it publicly again that uh, if if as a head coach and as a teacher and as a leader. I, I I could have handled and should have handled Brett better than I did. And I always reflect upon that after uh, I had left uh, the coaching ranks that, uh, you know, here's a, a player and I appreciate him even more now. And that's what happens. Sometimes you, you, you it, it's important for you as the coach to understand the individual, not to be understood by that individual. And as a leader, as a teacher and experienced coach that's one uh, aspect because and, and Brett I'm not going to pump up your tires more than I have to right now but uh, uh, superstar player incredible goal scorer 
uh, a very bright guy, uh, and uh, I just could have been a, a better coach for him than I was. What are your well, thoughts? Well, was uh, there, there was a uh, issue on the other end too with with uh, my stubbornness and <laughs> uh, un, unwillingness to uh, you know step back and and listen to some of the veterans and and speaking of of the uh, experienced coaching staff we had just think about the players that we had that became great uh, NHL coaches exactly and uh, McTavish was one of them for example and uh, uh, Greg Gilbert uh, well Bergeron's uh, uh, manager Um, he played with us so yeah, we had a, a you know obviously Wayne and Al and, and Chris Pronger and and then there are so many other great individuals. The team was the competition or composition of the team was was impeccable in terms of the depth that we had. For us to sit here and name everybody would be uh, yeah, we'll leave take too long. Out, uh, some somebody out, but uh, so why were you guys butting heads? What what was the crux of it? I don't know if we were buddy heads. I, I think it was just it was more personality than anything. And like I said, my pig-headedness, you know, it, it was like almost like I was on a mission to to fight everything that Mike would say or do. Uh, but at the same time, I would still go out and play. Uh, so I mean, it really wasn't. It was more media driven than anything because they loved it, uh, oh, yeah. you know. And they would they would ask me anything or set me up with anything they could just so they could hear me say something. And then they'd go back to Mike, and then they'd come back to me. And then they, it was like there was no one else on the team. Yeah. So it was a lot of media driven. But you were quoted at times calling him a tyrant, mean spirited, asinine well, that, trades. That, he, he, <laughs> He was. But <laughs> name a coach that name a coach, and in one way or another, that isn't a tyrant, right? Nick Saban, you know, one of the greatest football coaches in in NCAA history. It, you know, that's what he is known for. It's his way or the highway. I think another guy that's like that is his name is Belichick. So, uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I was talking to some guys who played for the uh, Giants when they won the Super Bowl. And uh, Purcells was the coach, and, and Belichick was an assistant. And and these guys said, Mato was at the meeting with me and talking to them at the dinner. And he said how tough Mike was uh, to them, and they started laughing. He said, you know, we had a guy named Belichick. We called him the Satan because he was so tough with us. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's not always uh, – it's not always yeah, 100%. I would have met, yeah, well, it's not always easy either when you've got a, you know, group of superstars that, you know, they make a lot of money and they're ego-driven. I mean, it's uh, it, it's got to be hard at times to corral everybody. Well, it is, but the, that's the, the job of the leader and the coach. So, again, uh, in retrospect, uh, uh we could have had a stronger relationship, but I don't know if it would have changed the outcome once Grant got hurt because Brett's exactly. play goal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think our relationship had anything to do with uh, wins or losses. It was just exactly. I agree with more that. Of a, it was it more of the entertainment value for the fans and the, <laughs> the people reading the papers. Which coach did you like better, Mike Keenan or Ken Hitchcock? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, well, both are there, there wasn't really any coaches I didn't like. Um, but I think Michael agree with this. I, I have a certain, I think the game should be played a certain way. Uh, and How's that? part of, part of that is a real happy go lucky, uh, attitude out there, which always doesn't sit well with coaches that don't want that like image or look, uh, for their team. And so, um, you know that that was a lot of the of the deal, and you know I think it was at a time too where the game had really kind of changed styles, and I was in the middle of trying to adapt to the new game with still loving the old old game, which was a little more free flowing. So I think that had a lot to do with it as well. I think that's a that's a correct analysis because the game was changing, and, and uh, uh, I, I think that Brett uh, re- making the reference to the old game, I enjoyed the old game more than what was uh, transpiring the trap, and and I would have a great debate with Roger Nielsen about it because I, I said Roger, we're not playing that way, particularly with Wayne Gretzky and Brett Hall. I said. Neither one will ever want to do that, and we're not going to impose that upon them because it's counterproductive to their abilities and their talent and their skill set. So we have to play the game that we want to play that suits our players the best. I mean, you, 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 and people have asked me about coaching. I said, you make the adaptation to the people you have to work with. You don't try to put them into a certain system and say this is the way we're going to play, particularly for hockey. It's a it's an instinctive game, it's a passionate game, but it's a spontaneous game. We don't run set plays like you do in football, so yeah. it's a big difference. And I think a, a tip to the hat that you'll agree with is is whoever came up with the left wing lock for the Red Wings, where you know they could let you know Iserman and Fedorov you know play freely and and still have a. Uh, a real effective defensive scheme through the neutral zone and, and coming back in your own end. Yeah, that was an effective way. We, we won a championship in Rochester playing that way as well. And it was, again, we had to make the adaptation. Our personnel was set up that really the left wingers were more defensive. It just happened to work out that way. So it suited our team really well. We win a championship. But the the right wingers in the center. Thank God, thank God I was a right winger. <laughs> Brett, there's no way Scotty would have put you on left wing. Not a chance. <laughs> what do you think of the game today, Brett? Uh, I think there's a lot of real good things about it. I think there's a lot of terrible things about it. It's, you know, I I was flying. Uh, uh, went into St. Louis to do some work for the Blues the other day, and I, I was leaving town, and I was sitting at the airport and uh, having a coffee, and there was a replay on Fox Sports Midwest of the, the Blues-Jets game the night before. And so I sat down, and I started uh, watching, and I think I watched a full period and did not did not see a body check. It was almost it was almost as if they were like it looked like they was like oh excuse me you, you know and it, I'm like sure there was a couple of collisions along the boards 
when the puck would get rimmed around. And then basically it was just because they couldn't get out of each other's way. And uh, it, that's the one thing that it's lost its physicality, I think. Uh, like the good, fair, clean body checks. Uh, you know, there are some, but not like it's not consistent. And uh, I don't care what anyone says. Uh, they got they should lose the visors and let them let them fight again. That's a that's been a part of hockey for so long, and it, it's an integral part of of winning and losing. If you ask me, uh, you know, Michael tell you, and, and I'm sure he uh, was part of his coaching philosophy with some of the tougher guys. Was you know let's let's intimidate this team into losing you know but now it doesn't seem like anyone's like there's nothing to be afraid of or be intimidated by out there and i think we got to let the goalies play the puck get rid of the trapezoid i think we got to put the red line back in so there's so there's some you know scheming to to move the puck up the ice and and uh i think they've got to uh, make the shoulder pads a lot smaller why is that well, because when they do hit people, they end up getting concussions, and the hits aren't that crazily, you know, brutal. They're just hits, and the shoulder pads are so big that they're more like weapons now, as opposed to uh, being, a, you know, more protective. Well, you'd be pleased to know you and the coach are on the same page finally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, That's good I, to hear. I, I, I talked about those rule changes myself uh, in a, in the initial podcast, Brett. So I agree with you. And and the red line going in, I, I people say the game is faster. Well, maybe north and south, you know, post up and tip it in, and you're on the hunt. But I said I want to see the faster thing. I want to see is faster thinking in the neutral zone. Yeah. I said the great. Uh, we talk about Wayne and, and Mario and Mess and other great Adam Oates and play, people you play with. Uh, they were thinkers. They could think the game and understand the game. And I don't know if that's a fundamental requirement as much as it as it once was. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have the experience of being uh, uh, the GM in in Dallas for a. a year or two and uh we had our scouting meetings and i i just wanted to to kind of get a feel for what they think about while they're scouting uh, both amateur and pro and so i in the meeting i said i you know i just right before we start i, I go what is the number one thing you guys are looking at whether you're you're one of the pro scouts or whether you're an amateur scout uh looking for our draft and uh there's some stunned silence because you know there's nothing worse than a loaded question like that. There, you can see the their heads were working. They're going, I wonder what answer he's looking for, right? <laughs> and you know, so they they came out and they said, well, you know, uh, got to be able to skate. You know, you can't play if you can't skate. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's that's good, but that's not what I'm looking for. And it's like, well, you gotta, you know, you gotta be big and you, you gotta be able to shoot. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's another obvious character that you need to, to play and i go it's hockey sense isn't it it's like 
the first thing I would look at is a guy and I go, can he think the game? Can he, does he, does he go to the right places when nobody else does? Does he, does he move the puck to the right areas when he has the puck? Does he go to the, 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 the good open ice area in the offensive zone? And, and I go, that to me is number one, we can work on the other stuff, but if the guy doesn't have hockey sense and can't sink the game, like Mike said, then really he's useless. I agree, Brett, that uh, hockey intelligence is uh, number one for me. And the the history of the game has revealed it and told us all the great players were had all the, the attributes uh, that are necessary, the skating skill, the size, strength, shooting ability. But the greatness in them was their ability to think and think the game. Right, that's, un- that's, what, the game. that's exactly what separates a good player to a great player, to the greatest players, you know, Gretzky, Messier, Lemieux, you know, and I'll, I'll give a great example of, you don't even need to be the best skater, the biggest guy. You know, you look at Ryan O'Reilly of the St. Louis Blues. He knows how to play hockey. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy, but he does all the right things. So in that conversation of great players, Word is talk about Alex Ovechkin putting up big numbers again, and you know he's in that conversation, the seven hundred club, and uh, you know can he possibly catch Wayne Gretzky? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he keeps getting fifty goals every year. It's awesome. I mean, it's and he does it. You know, it was no different than me. I mean, like it, there, there was, it wasn't magic out there. They knew exactly where I was going. They knew exactly how I played and and what I was going to do, but they they couldn't stop it. And and uh, you know that's him. And he's he's bigger, stronger, and faster than I ever dreamed of. And I mean, he's he only needs a hundred and I think ninety seven goals to to catch Wayne. You know that's that's not that many when you score like he does. You know the one thing I see about Ovi and Brett, you can. Uh, tell us your feelings about this. Every time he scores, it's like his first goal. He celebrates it. Yeah, he loves it. He, yeah. It's unbelievable how much he enjoys it. And the, did you f- have those feelings as well when you scored? Well, in, internally, absolutely. It was the, and I've always said this. There's, it's the greatest feeling in the world when you score at home and you got twenty thousand people and you know they're all going crazy because of what you just did. But it's almost even better when you can't hear 20,000 people on the road because you just did the same thing. (laughs) And, you know, my game, and you know it, Mike, was I wanted to be completely invisible out there. You know, uh, so I tried not to celebrate because, you know, when I'm out there and I score a goal, if I embarrass Chris Chelios by celebrating and acting and, He's got to go back to the bench, and there's Mike Keenan going, Chelios, what the hell are you doing out there? Now he's going, I'm going to kill Hall next shift. Yeah. I'm like, oh, boy, I don't want that. Yeah. So I, I tried not to celebrate or embarrass anyone because I wanted, I didn't want Chelly thinking about me, even though you know he would because he was one of the greatest of all time. But, you know, there was a lot of guys that would just, you just leave their mind, and you go out again, and you do it next shift. And then, so... I, I always like to kind of change after I scored, uh, unless it was really early in the shift. Uh, 
you know, and then get right back out there again uh, right away, but just to get out of their minds. But he, you know, he's 6'2", 220, I'm sure. He doesn't have anything to worry about, so he can celebrate all he wants. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I Plus, can, no one hits out there anyway. I can recall you you were very, very uh, modest when you scored. After you scored, for sure, he was very quiet about it. Well, now it we was know very why. calculated. <laughs> the reason for it. I didn't need Manson and McGill looking yeah. for me. Well, the other thing you and Ovi have in common beyond goal scoring is celebrating but when it comes to winning cups and you had a pretty good celebration last spring yeah i think i celebrated better you know not winning last year and just being a part of it than i did when i won so uh you know for years the media you know frank Cusimano uh, in st louis every time i'd see him i'd go on with him and he'd go what's it going to be like in st louis when they win the cup and for years, I, I said, it's going to be the biggest party in the world. I go, we might do two laps of the parade instead of just one. <laughs> and so when we did win last year, I said, well, I can't let anybody down. And uh, we, had a, we had a real good time. Well, you didn't let anybody oh, down, and I gotta, sure. I got to tell you the story. I'm sure you guys have seen the picture of me uh, giving the finger in, in game six along the glass. Yep. And everybody thinks I was... I was given the bird to the Bruins, uh, which isn't true at all because I would never do that to disrespect a franchise like that. It was a friend of ours that showed up uh, in St. Louis wearing all Bruins gear. And we saw her come out of the, uh, the vomitorium there, as they say, and she was walking down the aisle and we saw each other and I saw her all dressed in Bruins stuff so I said, that's enough of that. And I, I had had a couple, and I said, and I gave her the bird. <laughs> and so everyone thinks it was to the Bruins, and it was not. Well, it's good to get that straight. Yeah. <laughs> what, was yeah, right? what was her reaction? What was her reaction? Oh, she laughed. She's a great girl. She, so she was, uh, but she's been a Bruins fan her whole life, so I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all worked out in the, in the end for the Blues. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got some good press out of it and some – Good T-shirts, uh. and uh, and uh, and a singing career. You know, it was it was interesting for me, and I have to just uh, talk about this for a second because uh, Bill Daly, on behalf of the NHL, invited me to Boston, and uh, I sat. They put me in seats right behind the the two benches because I'd coach both coaches, or both teams, and both teams. So that was very uh, nice of Bill Daly. But uh, again, to see Berube uh, uh, and uh, celebrate his Stanley Cup was important to me because the first game he ever played for me was in Philadelphia. And Brett, uh, I don't know if you know this, remember this, but he, he wanted to prove to the coach that he was tough. So he takes this great big tough guy on. His name was Bob Probert. Well, Proby filled him in. I came in after the period. He says, Coach, honest to God, I can fight. I said, Chief, you don't have to prove that with the toughest guy in the league on your first shift. So, lesson learned. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah, he, great, great I'll fun. tell you what, he is uh, he is one of the the greatest people that I'm lucky enough to have gotten to know uh, while he's been in St. Louis, and you know, uh, being down here with Kelly Chase, you know, and he's obviously known uh, Chief for a long time, and and he told me all about him, and and uh, getting to be with him, and and you know. 
it, I think it'll say a lot for that type of player that didn't have the greatest uh, reputations as being intelligent guys while they played. Uh, he's a very smart hockey guy. He, he's very smart at reading people. Um, and I think you see that with George Peros uh, being the head of uh, supplementary discipline. Um, I think you see uh, Stu Grimson uh, with a, a law degree. Uh, so these guys, you know, whatever you saw while they played and how tough they were, and you'd call them rockheads and <laughs> whatever, whatever else the fans would call them. These guys are very smart, very intuitive, and, and while they were sitting on the bench not getting a lot of ice time, they learned a lot. And they were nice to have around some nights, I'm sure. <laughs> they were the best to have around after the game. <laughs> Did the Blues repeat? Well, I don't see why not. I was talking about this the other day. I don't think there's a team in the West that can beat them. Uh, and with the caveat that we haven't seen what a couple of teams could do at the deadline. Um, uh, but I, I think out West, the, or out East, the only chance they have is, is Washington, Boston, or Tampa, unless, unless Toronto, you know, does something uh, at the deadline. They're, they're right there as well. So, you know, I, I, I think they're definitely coming out of the West. They just, they just play two great a team game. Like, if you think about it, I guess you could call uh, Tarasenko a kind of superstar. I, uh, You know, I love the kid, but I think he underachieves. I think he should be scoring goals like Ovechkin does. Um, but they don't really have a superstar. And I, I think that most teams, if they if they follow the Blues plan, the, the way you win is to put together a fourth line that could be your second line while still playing aggressive and solid defensively and doing all the right things and being energy. But th that fourth line of the, the only time the blues lost for the most part, last playoff was when one of the guys on the fourth line was hurt or suspended. Well, that talks about the depth and, yeah. and we experienced that yeah. certainly in, in New York. We had, we had the fourth line and the fifth line ready. So well, and the, and the big right. You guys yeah. talked about yeah, it like in, how about like how about our in O two in Detroit, our fourth line was Robitaille, Larionov, and uh, Holstrom. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not bad. But the other key with the Blues too, as you well know, and you guys talked about it earlier, was when the goaltending arrived, so did the team. Yes. Yeah, and the one constant besides that that never wavered from day one was was Ryan O'Reilly and his work ethic and the way he played the game the proper way and and guys like Thomas Steen uh Thomas Steen um Alex Steener Alex Steen he just played a style of this game I was there I can't even say his name right um and those guys are are true professionals and and when the team started to win with Bennington putting put in net uh, they just all just jumped right on and said, "Okay, we can do this." And they, and with the leadership of uh, of Chief back there, it's uh, they they were unstoppable. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're gonna let you go, but before we do, we give us a little Gloria. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I we we gotta get a new song this year. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and Michael know this that I, I'm a more of a classic rock and roller. So every time I really start to sing Gloria, it's Van Morrison's version. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, listen, Brett. Thanks very much for your time. Great sharing. Some I really stories. appreciate you coming on, Brett. It means a lot. Love it. Me. My, hey, that is my pleasure. Anytime you want, just give me a call back. And keep hitting them straight. Oh, got to. <laughs> Love it. Hall All of right. Famer. Thanks, guys. Brett Good luck Hall. With the show. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Appreciate it. Well, that, was, that was a lot of fun. It was. Yep. Hall of Famer, Brett Hall. That's it for episode number two. <clears throat> See you in a week. <laughs>